This is Invite to Game Night, a podcast for the hospitable board game lover, or anyone desiring to curate a richer board game experience. My name is Gordy Harrison, and I invite you to join me as we explore together what makes board gaming wonderful. Welcome to the table. For today's episode, we want to take a look at what can be one of the least fun parts of game night, teaching the rules to a new game. But first, we're going to start things off with a few rounds of one of our newest games and have a quick chat about some of the games we've been playing lately. So we're mixing things up a little bit today. Instead of our normal icebreaker question, we are bringing medium to the table. This is a party game by Greater Than Games, designed by Danielle Deli, Lindsay Sherwood, and Nathan Thornton. It's a party game uh, with some communication limits. And Gordy, can you give us a little rundown on how it plays? Well, it's pretty simple. We're each dealt a hand of cards. One of us, being the first player, is going to pick one of the cards, put it on the table. We'll say what it is out loud. Uh, The other one looks at their hand of cards, finds a card that they would like to play. These cards have one word on it. That's it. Uh, They'll put it on the table. And then I think the game says you're supposed to kind of stare intently into each other's eyes. That's written in the rule book, right? No, I'm pretty sure you're thinking of a different game. Okay. Well... We're going to stare intently into each other's eyes until sure. we've formed the mind bond, the, the, the medium where we are sure that we know what the other person is thinking and what they're going to say because we'll count down kind of three, two, one, go, and we'll both say the word that we think is the medium between those two words. Like if your word was low, and my word was high, we would go three, two, one, go. Medium. Oh, oh man. Anyway. We're that's really bad at this game. So bad at this game. <laughs> I think last time we played, and we played for a while, we got like three or five out of a lot. Yeah. And so high and low are not actually words in this game. I thought I was giving you a slam dunk there. I didn't want to be too obvious. (laughs) All right. Well, without further ado, let's dive into this game a little bit. Um, Do you want to give the first word? Sure. All right. I'm going to pick the word banana. Banana. Ooh. So I've got some words here, but none that I think work super well with banana. So I'm just going to put one down here. I have the word ski. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've got one. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Boat. Seriously? Ski boat, banana boat? Come on. Oh, that that would have been good. I just thought, you know, both, you know, skis, you're sliding down the hill, bananas, you slip on the peel. I I thought slip was... You don't slip on skis. You fall. I slip. Okay, all right. All right, well, the nice thing about this game, we've got three tries. Yep, so try number one is done. The trick is we're now not allowed to use the word slip or boat. We have to come up with a completely different word. That okay, is the give medium me a sec, between give me a sec. banana uh, and ski. Okay, You're, this is not going to be your word, but 
Here we go. Okay. Three, two, one. Long. Sunday. Ski and Sunday? What? I. So we live by a ski hill and everyone goes up on the weekend and Sunday's part of the weekend. Oof. I went for long because at least they're both like of a similar general shape, long and skinny. Mm. That's fine. That's fine. One more try. Okay. Um, okay. We're in it to win it this time. Banana and ski. The medium between those two words. Okay. Mm. This is terrible, but I'm going to just go for it. I don't have one. Um, oh, okay. I've got one. Okay. Three, two, one. Ice. Bruise. Nope. Wait, bruise? I guess banana can be bruised and you can get bruises from skiing? Yeah, I, I get Ugh, bruises okay, from skiing. Okay, we need skiing. to start fresh. Start fresh. New words, All new right. words. My, my turn to pick a word. Yeah, you start. Okay, I'm going to put the word fireworks between us. Da, da, da. Okay, this, I'm going to put down the word beautiful. Beautiful and fireworks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me for this one. And I'm just going to, this isn't giving a hint. This is just an added rule. You are allowed to use proper nouns. Oh, okay. I got proper it. Proper nouns. I got it. Beautiful okay. fireworks. I got it. Okay. Three, Three two, one. one. Canada Day. Come on. I, I gave it to you on a silver platter. I, I thought you were fishing there. Okay, okay, okay. Gel with me here. Okay, we're ready? Whoa, wait, wait a second. Okay. You know where... Got it. Okay, proper nouns. Just a reminder that that's a rule. Okay. Three, Three two, one. one. Fourth of July. Day? That counts. Oh, that it totally counts. counts. Totally yes. counts. Second try. That was me doing fireworks. Okay, last one. Um, I'm going to pick the word Shakespeare. Um, Shakespeare. Oh, no, this was a terrible choice. I do not know my Shakespeare well. <laughs> it's okay. I'm pretty sure I know it better than you, so we're probably safe. You, so that uh, means okay. you'll go for something obvious. It'll be something related to, like, Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or something. Okay. Good, good. I've, I've seen, you know, read one of those. Okay. All right. Give me your word. Um, Give kay. me your word. Shakespeare. And muscle. Oh dear goodness gracious! What? No, this one's this one's obvious. You've got it. Um, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're tracking with I me. I mean, I've got one that I think works. We'll see. Well, is it the one, same one I have? We'll find out, won't we? Three, two, one. Merchant Heart. of Venice. Okay. Yeah, we were not on. The Isn't same that page the one there. where they take a pound of flesh? You know. I think so. That's not one so of the ones muscle. I've read. Okay. But I just thought, you know, the heart is a muscle and the heart is so prominent uh, in Shakespeare's okay. works. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna roll with that. Okay. You got it? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Sonnet. Oh, come on. Mine was good. I ran with the heart thing. Yeah. I, I switched to your thing. Oh, come on. Oh, this is really stretching it for me. Okay, last one. Okay. And then we're going to move on from okay. this game. Oh, is this okay, a muscle? I really wish I knew like the names of some thugs in Shakespeare. <laughs> the muscle. 
Oh gosh, I can't think of one. I can't think of one. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna say the first names that came into my head. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm pretty sure they. This doesn't fit at all. It just has to do with Shakespeare. Yep. Okay, ready? Yep. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, okay. What did oh. you say? Christian Bale. Christian Bale? I, you know, I, I was going from the, the Midsummer Night's Dream, um, you know, the live action. Someone uh, is going to mock us to high heaven because of our paltry Shakespeare knowledge. I know. I know. I really regret picking Shakespeare. <laughs> that is on you. I really regret that. All right. Well, let's move on to some games that we've been playing other than Medium because clearly that one was, it's, it's a challenge I mean, for does, us. Does it- count as playing it if we never get any of them right always fail probably not Gordy, do you want to start us off with one of the ones that you wanted to chat about yeah the first game i want to talk about is dune so this is the 1979 classic redone in 2019 uh, designed by bill eberly Jack Kittrich, Peter Alotka, uh, published by Gale Force 9 and LLC. This is just an overall, all-around fun game. It's got a little bit of everything. You're trying yeah. to control spaces on the board, uh, specifically key places on the board. Um, you've got asymmetric player powers, player goals. Even the way players win is different. Um, well, it can be can be yeah uh you've got um you've got battles between players you've got um negotiation and bluffing uh this is really fun a lot of player interaction it's set in uh, frank herbert's dune universe the book series there was a movie um and the theme comes so heavily into this uh it it is the the basis for a lot of the rules and i think even in in part of the rule book they say you know they were questioned on something like hey tournament play has this in it why didn't you guys do that and their answer is well because that's not how it would have been in the books i love that that faithfulness to the original story and for me i actually don't even know what the original story is i've never read the books never seen the movie um so the theme doesn't necessarily do much for me since I don't know its roots, but I still really enjoy the game and the theme such as it is to me. And yeah, there's lots to love about this game, even though it is an old game. I was hesitant at first because it is so old, but it has a lot of really good elements to it. Yeah. I I think just as I'm thinking about it, I, one of the things I like the most about it is how quickly alliances can break and kind of reform and shift. You know, one turn you're on this person's team, the next you're on someone else's team. Well, and it's it's fun because it allows you to kind of break up the play quite a bit. And depending on who you're aligned with, it can really change how you play, you know, given those unique player powers and how you kind of get to share them with the person that you're in an alliance with. So... It adds a fun element for sure. Hmm, definitely. So from old, classic, very big game, I think we jumped to the other end of the spectrum with your next game. Yeah. So I want to talk about Canvas. This is a game by Road to Infamy, 
And I think we got our copy from Kickstarter in January. It's a 2021 release. It's brand new. Um, the designers are Jeff Chin and Andrew Nerger. This game, first of all, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's all about you know, art and creating art. And you have these clear cards that you layer um, to try to, you know, get points from certain goals. And the, it's so satisfying when you get to, you know, layer those clear cards with the, the printed art pieces on them, put them all together in one of those clear sleeves and create this piece of art. And I love that it has a title yet too. That just is kind of the, the cherry the, the on top. The art has the title, mm-hmm. the, the, the piece. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. And it's pretty easy to learn. I find you can pick it up quickly it's still fun to play even if you don't you know do well on the goals just creating a little piece of art that you're proud of to me is like its own little mini win in and of itself i actually think that's one of the things that makes the game harder <laughs> true you're you, like you could go for the, the art the high or score, points. art or points oh these two sleeves just need to go together i know i know right and sometimes you're like hey you know the the little tags on the bottom which is what you get points from sometimes you'll like completely cover up with uh, two cards, like they'll overlap completely. So there's no purpose to them except for the art. Yeah, the art. and it's it's quite brilliant. I think how they've used the space on some of the cards, like on some of the cards, the clear plastic cards, there's just artwork around the border. Some of them right. have a focal piece. Some of them are more of a washed background. So putting them all together, it's it's brilliant how they've how they've done that. Yeah, no, it's a great one and so fun to bring to the table, largely just because it's beautiful and because we got the Kickstarter, it's got those fun little tiny easels that you can put your finished pieces on or the goals, however you want to use them. But it's it's a good one. Well, and then at the end, also you have to vote on who got the best picture. Obviously, unwritten rule. <laughs> Gordy, what's your next one? Well, we've been playing a lot of Unmatched recently. Now, this is a, a, a game, or rather a system of, of games. Uh, these feature mythic heroes and fictional characters and characters who are so cool they could be mythical and fictional. Um, and there, of course, was the, the slightly veiled nod to Bruce Lee. <laughs> Uh, no, but it's, you, you buy, like, I think the first pack has King Arthur and Medusa and Sinbad in it. And, um, you know, we, we got the Cobblin Fog expand expansion. It's not an expansion. It's a standalone, expandalone. Expandalone. Yes. Um, you know, with, uh, with Dracula and Sherlock Holmes. And this is a game very much in your face. Like it's all combat. Um, and yeah. the whole premise is these unmatched people, um, you know, Dracula versus King Arthur. You know, there's no overlap in how they do things. Right. They're fighting each other. So this is a game that sucks you in. I mean, you know, this is something that uh, as soon as you have, well, there's a whole comic series based off of this idea. You know, you have Batman, you have Superman, your two heroes. What happens when they start fighting each other? Yeah, um, it's and, a fun, fun concept. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a neat system. Um, you're using cards. Uh, you're you're managing the cards that you have in your hand uh, in order to play well. You want to be able to deal lots of damage, but still have defense, and at the end of the day, still have cards to play because when you run out of cards, uh, that's it. You're you're kind of doomed. 
So that's, we've been playing a lot of that. Um, it's, it's a fun one. Well, and it's nice because there are almost, I mean, obviously there is a finite number, but almost limitless options of combinations, especially when it's just the two of us, you know, we can try Red Riding Hood versus Bigfoot and Raptors versus the Invisible Man, like so many different possible combinations, which totally changes strategy and just the overall gameplay. Yeah, well, and it's really neat how they've kind of brought all of these characters and unified them by the artwork. And the artwork doesn't really, like, it's it's not a nod to any one of these things. But it kind of works to bring them into this universe. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's a good one. Uh, the last one that I want to talk about that we've been playing quite a bit lately is Super Skill Pinball 4Kade. This is a 2020 game published by WizKids. The designer is Jeff Engelstein. This is a roll and write, which, I mean, these are near and dear to my heart. I love roll and writes in all shape, size, and form. And this one is is unique. It's really fun. You're essentially, your, your pad of paper is the pinball machine. And you have this nice little token that you're moving around as the the pinball getting points and you know what you do is dependent on the dice rolls and I think one of my favorite parts is that there are four different uh, pads so four different pinballs or pinball machines and it totally changes what the game feels like what your goals are how you play so there's a lot of replayability built into the game yeah, and I, I appreciate on on this roll and write, um, so the, the, the pads, the pinballs, they're actually sheets of, of cardboard, like um, not, not laminated cardboard, but, you know, they've got that finish on it and you use right. dry erase markers. Right. That's, that's one weakness of, I think, a lot of roll and writes is it's, you know, you are limited to your pad of paper. Maybe you go and laminate one. But if you don't, like you have an ever diminishing stack and then, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to start photocopying? Are you going to, but this one just avoids that whole issue altogether. Well, and even beyond that, I mean, this dry erase mechanism that they've used in the, in this game, it's actually part of the game because you go through and you erase marks that you've made at certain points of the game to make it really feel like pinball machine and my goodness this game does feel like you're playing pinball right right the little what do you call them like the paddles at the bottom that only shoot it to certain areas it's it's very heavily themed yeah and kind of that that constant battle to get the ball up as high as you can and have it come down and score and oh the mini games and the different tables are so different so much fun yeah well, and we've actually only played, what, two of the four games, so there's still a bunch of untapped game that we haven't even done. Oh, it's... And I, I think they're coming out with a sequel, too, for four more tables. Yep, which we pre-ordered because we are suckers <laughs> for rolling rights. Um, I realized I actually didn't give any information on Unmatched, so I'm just going to insert that right here real quick. Okay. Uh, Unmatched is Rob Davio, um, Justin Jacobson, uh, 
and it's published by Restoration Games. Um, I didn't write down the year, but I feel like it's got to be what, 2019, 2020? One of the two, yeah. They have enough expansions out or expand-alones out. I, I believe it could have been 19. But I think so. certainly one of those two years. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into our topic. Today, we wanted to talk about how to explain the rules. Um, and more we want to focus not so much on, hey, your game group wants to learn a new game and you know you want to learn the newest, hottest game together. This is more for bringing people... In our case, it's often people who are not used to playing games. And we want to bring them into our house. We want to bring them into our game group. We want to make them feel welcome there. How do we explain the rules to them? How do we open the game to them in such a way where they feel at home? Yeah, well, certainly if you're not used to playing games, and I can remember back to when games were much more foreign to me, and I would get quite anxious when learning a new game, you know, the, the possibility of, oh, I'm not going to get the rules and then I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to look dumb. It was, it kind of weighed on me. It was really stressful. I didn't like learning new games. Well, especially when you've got, you know, games like, um, uh, you know, the game of life or, or Monopoly or something where, you know, you open up a pamphlet. Uh, now you've got games where you pick it up. It's, it's a heft. Right. You've There's got, like chapters you know, in this it. Is, this is about the size of a of an atlas with you know, ten pages. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it can be daunting. So I guess we should start with why we want to explore this topic so early mm-hmm. in in our podcast. And I I think for me it's really important because as you said in the beginning of the the introduction to this episode, learning the rules can be like the least fun part of of the game night right and i feel like in some instances we've not done it well and almost lost our game players you know or at at least in spirit if not in actuality right well it can be so frustrating if you know you're not getting the rules or if you think you got the rules but you got it wrong uh it can it can really sour the experience yeah and make it feel like you didn't get a fair shot, you know, especially if whoever explained the rules maybe forgot to explain some key pieces. And then you're like, well, if I'd known that I would have done X, Y, Z differently. And maybe I would have won. Right. And I mean, you're already at a bit of a disadvantage, not knowing the game, most, most games. Yeah. Uh, So if you feel like you're losing and you feel like you didn't understand the rules because they didn't, weren't explained right. Right. Leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. So I think in, in all of this, um, we, we should kind of lay out, you know, before we get into nitty gritty, how do we teach games or, or what do we want to do to teach games? I think it'd be really helpful to have an overall focus. You know, what, what is our focus in teaching games? Why, why is it something we want to do well? How does it relate to welcoming people to game night? Yeah. Well, I think our main goal is always just to make the games accessible to people and to keep it fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I don't even think the, the goal of the game needs to be they understand the game perfectly. Sure. No, because you can do some learning on the go. Oh, for sure. 
but I, I think, yeah, your, your focus, they need to be able to play it mm-hmm. and it needs to be fun. Right. And there needs to be a degree of clarity. So they're not just sitting there scratching their heads in a cloud of confusion saying, what is going on? I don't know what I'm doing. And then, and oftentimes in those situations, the person teaching the rules ends up just telling them what to do possibly, which isn't fun. It takes right. away, you know, the independence and it's, it's just not that much fun anymore. Right. I mean, yeah, you could just play with little, little tokens. You could have as much fun on a Monopoly game board <laughs> with Quite the, the little pewter, pewter tokens right, just where... moving them around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's dive in a little bit now. You know, if, if you're explaining what pieces do, you could have one person setting up the game and the other person pulling pieces and explaining the, the rules and what the pieces do. But honestly, for this style of learning, when we're explaining rules, one of the frustrating things or one of the things that we've bumped up against that can be most frustrating mm-hmm. for people, and especially like if I'm teaching you a game or you're teaching me a game, is we're teaching the rules and then we get to a point and, you know, the, the person learning says, well, I, I didn't know that. It's like, well, no, I, I told you that. Right, right. Well, maybe you did, but I don't remember. And so I, I think one of the things that we want to frame this conversation is, is just a, a realization and, and a look at the different learning styles that people have. Because 100%, I know there are times when I have looked you in the eye and told you a rule and you know when it comes time for that rule to come into play you just had no idea and right. and i mean that's i know you i know that you are not primarily an auditory learner right but it's so easy just to get into the rut of only explaining games through your voice by telling with no nothing else to aid people who might learn a different way. Exactly. Uh, so I think a, a good, you know, now might be a good time to give a quick rundown of those learning styles. Right. Um, and I mean, there's there's different ways you can break this up. The biggest thing with this is just understanding that people learn different ways. Right. And I think, you know, we are more quick to apply this in like a classroom or, you know, a more academic setting. But why would that not apply here? Exactly. So the first learning style that I would want to talk about would be the visual learners. You know, people who learn by seeing. Right. Um, And so these are the people, like, you can can tell them rules if you're reading out of the rule book, or or even if you've got a a really good delivery, it's going to go right over them they're they're not going to hear it until they see it right and you know these are are the people who it's going to really help you're going to need to have the game set up in order to to explain the rules to them yeah so they can connect what you're saying with what they can see yeah so i would wait until the game is totally set up um and you can even do like a you know, you're pointing to different locations, you're pulling cards, letting them read the cards. Um, right. You know, you're, you're moving your hand around the board, even moving pieces around the board to show them what is what and what goes where. Right. Always have that that visual aid to go with whatever you're talking about. 
yeah, um, you know, if you are reading out of a rule book, uh, that's not going to help them, but you could show them the pictures and the examples. Yeah, of the yeah, book, for sure. And that, that would be helpful. And, you know, hope that the game that you're playing also has, you know, little visual aid cards that they can keep by them as the game goes on. Oh, 100%. Which is um, useful for anyone, but for these people, it might be particularly helpful. Yeah. Um, we can talk a little bit about auditory learners. Um, I.e. not you and I. Not at all. And actually, these are the learners that I was really jealous of in university. Um, right. You know. Attend a lecture, sit, don't take any notes, and they're ready for the test. Oh, they look like they're napping. Right. And then, you know, there's a quiz at the end of class, and psh, they know it all. Right. Oh, I know. I wish. I wish. I wish. Um, so the auditory learners, honestly, these, these kind of learners, you could possibly, depending on how boring you are, read out <laughs> of the rule book. Um, and, and that would be enough for them. Right. Now, if it's a not well-written rule book, you might need to, you know, bring out your best teacher in you and, you know, present the rules in a better way. You can't necessarily just rely on reading what it says and they'll get it <laughs> oh sure i mean just because you um learn in a different style um doesn't mean you can learn from a bad teacher or a disorganized right. lesson in, in that style right and we've definitely come across some rule books where we've gotten to the end and we're like i don't know how to play what no the rule books we've had are notoriously good and, and easy to understand <laughs> There have been some where I swear we're probably still playing certain rules wrong because I, I don't know. We had to just make some executive decisions yeah. or go to Board Game Geek into the polls. and. Oh, yeah. Either either popular opinion or the best is when the designer comes on right. and, and answers for right. you. Right. Here's what you're supposed to do. Um, one thing that I'd want to say with auditory learners is often these learners can look quite distracted. Um, True. You know, they, they're sitting there on their phones or, you know, just fiddling with stuff. Um, and it could be that they're bored. It could be that they're unengaged. It could just be that that doesn't really distract them because they're learning through listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely something to keep in mind because it can be a little off-putting and it can kind of like, are, are they like listening? Are they going to get this? And maybe you need to just trust them that they might know best how they learn. Yeah. Um, the next learning style that I kind of want to lay out is the kinesthetic learners. Right, which I feel like is much more how you and I learn. I, I think so. The, yeah, these are the, the players who it takes them one or depending how good they are at learning two, three, four, five plays of the game before before they they you know, come to terms with it. Um, right. But they but, need to do it. Yeah. And so again, you know, same as with the visual learner, you want to have the game completely set up before you dive into the mm -hmm. rules. Um, and here, more than showing them what to do, this is kind of the place where you want to say like, 
And here's what you would do. You would put your piece over on that part of the board. You can, you know, you can go do that. Um, you know, then you would go flip over the card and, and for them, you know, not seeing you do it, but themselves going and going through the motions, Mm -hmm. that's what's kind of going to solidify it for them. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of games, let's say like a tableau building game, you might have them actually like laying out some cards in front of them, you know, simulating that experience as you're talking about it or something like that. Oh, sure. And, you know, some, some games, um, you know, they, they recommend practice rounds or, or something like that. Yeah. And this is a great way to go for that because, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, you know, lets them get a handle of the game before there's any any stress of, oh, I'm not playing this well. Right. Well, that puts in mind, you know, we recently played Spirit Island um, with your brother and everyone else who was playing knew how to play. And so we kind of glossed over the whole teaching the game to him and he was pretty confused probably for the first third to half of the game and that would have been an awesome time for us to do a practice round because you know there's all those phases and different things that you're doing but they repeat you know more or less each time oh and he is kinesthetic learner to the nth degree right so that would have been an ideal time for us to okay let's just let's play this out one time so you can kind of see what the different phases look like you know you do this then this then this and just that doing of it it's a little bit of a time commitment it probably would have taken us an extra what 20 minutes maybe yeah yeah but probably worth it it probably would have sped up things later on in the gameplay and made it more accessible to him yeah well and one of the things you want to be really careful about when teaching new players new games, you want to you don't want to be an alpha gamer, you know. Right, you where don't you're want just, to just telling them each around. step. Yeah, a practice round is great for that because there's a, a definite set amount of time where alpha gaming is expected. <laughs> Get it out of your system now. <laughs> um, you know, you can say now move here, now look at this, now look at this, um, and then boom, it's done. You completely back off. They can still ask you questions. But, you know, now there's a sense of, okay, now it's for real. Now you're the one doing it, not me. Yeah, yeah. Ideal for the kinesthetic learner. Um, One final learning style that I want to talk about, because I think it's, um, it's sometimes overlooked it's sometimes mashed in with the other ones but i actually think it uh, is is really relevant for board games and that's the the people who learn best by either reading or writing mm-hmm. um and this oftentimes you know your your rules lawyer the the one who's constantly flipping through the rule book yeah you know this is probably going to be them um they learn best by reading the rules or or writing you know in, in school the note takers that's how they learn is Mm -hmm. through writing or through reading yeah yeah well and if it's through reading give those people the rule book either let them take the lead on going through it or just have it handy so they can constantly be grabbing it and checking on things oh yeah like your your visual for your visual learners you mentioned the rules reference card Mm -hmm. um perfect for them because that's you know, oftentimes all they need is a quick glance down at a diagram or, you know, what does this token mean and away they yeah. go. Um, but your reading, your reading learners are, are going to need the fuller context that the rule book gives. 
And they may also be the fastest ones at finding that information if you need to look for it. Right. Honestly, too, you know, if writing is their go-to, doesn't hurt just to have a notepad handy and they can just kind of jot down in a way that works for them the overview of the rules if there's not a nice, you know, already done uh, player aid card. Oh, well, actually, that's, I was thinking about this. I kind of wish, and I understand why publishers don't do it because, you know, in many ways it wouldn't make sense, but I kind of wish that publishers gave extra blank um, rules reference cards. I'm thinking of like in elementary school when you got like a fill in the blank worksheet or something <laughs> like that. Just a fill in the blank rule book. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It, it might not be the worst idea to have little index cards that people can write down, you know, like, as they go through the game. Right. Oh, I should write this down, um, you know, for some people. That might be the that's best true, way for That's true. That's true. Like, what's the goal? When does the game end? You know, what do I need to remember? That's super, super important. Yeah, not a bad idea. Um, so in that, you know, there's, there's a few common themes. You know, have the board set up. Um, take some extra time at the beginning to go through the motions. Have the people go through the motions too, but, you know, don't be adamant that they do you know because right. for some people that's not right. do it yeah and i really like the idea of a practice round and i think in most games that's doable yeah well in some games um you know even if because you know you, you can do a, a practice round some games though especially the longer uh, more complicated games a practice round isn't always super helpful because you can understand what you're doing really easily like here i'm thinking about scythe um okay you know it's actually pretty easy to understand the mechanics of what you're doing yeah hard to look forward to the future and okay what's what's my end game plan right well i feel like it always takes me until about halfway through scythe before i'm like oh that's what i need to do okay yeah um but i mean for scythe they give the recommendation that you not only do a practice round, they do do an early scoring round. I like that. Yeah. It might give you a better sense of what you should be going for. Right. Well, and that, I think you can apply that back to even early, like even lighter games. You know, once, once they understand the game, you know, okay, hey, let's take a quick break. Let's count up. If, if we were to end the game right now, who would win? Why would they win? Yeah, no, that could be super helpful and doesn't necessarily need to take a super long amount of time. Well, especially if you're only a few rounds in, you don't have that much to count up. But yep. you would be like, okay, now if we had any of these cards, we would count them up and right. add them here. And just intentionally going through those motions brings into focus for people, okay, now that I don't need to be stressed out about what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm doing it. For sure, for sure. Which those kind of end game scoring details, they don't need to be right at the beginning of a game anyway. You know, it's actually not helpful if you're throwing a bunch of details at people. Right. You get points from this and you get points from this and this and this. Yeah. You know, taking the time to set up the game at the beginning actually gives you a chance to kind of take a, a, a big to small. You know, you start with a, a broad overview of the game. 
maybe a, talk about the, the theme of the game. Honestly, this is how, when rule books are written well, um, oftentimes how they do it. They start with a broad overview. You know, this is the story of the game. These are your main goals of the game. Um, yeah. And then you get into kind of more and more details. Now this is what a turn looks like. Now this is what... Right. And I know for me, I need that big picture. And I don't know, I feel like that big picture provides the framework for all of the details. And if I don't know like what the overarching goal is or story or both, I'm pretty lost pretty quickly. Well, all the details, it's, it's almost like... <laughs> um, You've got nowhere to put the details. Right, they, right. They don't have any, there's no shelf space. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, totally. So, you know, things things like what triggers the end of game, um, you know, little exceptions to various rules. Those are things that you can leave out until you're halfway through the game, as, as long as you don't let them catch people by surprise. Right. Personally, I think I like to know what triggers the end of the game fairly early on I think it also gives me a sense of how long do I have like how deep into this am I getting mm, sure. so for me I like to know that a little bit earlier I could see for some people that being a little bit more like okay I don't need to know that yet that's at this point extraneous well and, and you know maybe that's um, a, a kind of detail that actually bears repeating Sure, maybe you do give it early on, and then, hey, reminder, <laughs> the game is going to end at such and such a time. Right. So, yeah. yeah, having kind of just a running list in your mind, or written down, tucked into a game box, of, of details that would be good to say right at the beginning, but will often get lost. Yeah. But definitely, whenever you're teaching me a game, the very first thing I want you to tell me is, you win by such and such like you win if you have the most points you win if you get to this place the soonest like I want to know that right up front yeah yeah so you know in in this we've, we've talked about learning styles we've talked about um you know kind of not getting trapped on not getting too into the details right at the beginning yeah really what we're looking for is good teaching you know True. being and and first and foremost in that is being prepared to teach people the game. Right. I feel like if you're going to be the one hosting game night and you want to bring out this new game, you need to do your homework. You need to have pre-read the rule book or pre-skimmed it, whatever. Well, and ideally, like uh, a good teaching of, of a rules. Wow. So English is is working for me. <laughs> of a uh, rules okay um you know when when i picture what what does a good explanation look like the rule book is actually tucked off to the side or or given to your your reading writing learner right. um, you know you're not using the rule book to explain things you might need to look up the odd thing mm -hmm. but you're using the game board you're using the rules reference cards you're totally. using the pieces um, can I just put a little plug in here? If you are someone who is not confident in your teaching ability, well, two things. One, the best way to get better is to be doing it and practicing. But also, 
this is where sometimes we lean on the experts a little bit and we'll go to YouTube and look up a well-done explanation of the rules. Oh, Rodney Smith, watch, watch it, it played. played. Right, right. There's some games where, and, and often we'll go there if we haven't had time to read the rule book ahead of time well enough that we're not, you know, strictly relying on it. Um, so that is a resource that's there and should be used because, gosh, that's what he does. Like, right. Well, and he, he's <laughs> he does got, it well. You know, except for reading and writing and, mm-hmm. you know, kinesthetic learners can follow along with him. But, you know, he nails the visual with his with his video demonstrations, yeah. um, his audio, uh, you know, even though I'm not an auditory learner. You can you can pick up a lot from from his well done yeah. explanations just through seeing it and hearing it. Yeah, and I wouldn't rely on that because, well, for one, he hasn't done every single game that's ever existed. But close to, <laughs> he's done a lot for sure. Um, but I mean, also there there is something to just doing it yourself as well. But well, it's nice to know that's there. And you know our so. Makes the game accessible, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, makes it so that the player can have fun playing the game, yes. But I think we have another layer when we talk about explaining rules to people. We bring it back to who we are. You know, our, mm. our very reason for recording this podcast anyway is how do we welcome people to the table? Right. And one of the, you know, you can put on a Rodney Smith video and that's good, but it's not as inviting. It's not as welcoming. It's not as engaging as when you, the host, are doing a good job of unpacking the game for someone. Right. And if you're doing it yourself, you have the flexibility to, you know, modify things to cater to all those learning styles. Yeah. Now, we talked about um, kind of having framework. Yeah. To put details into. And we have completely neglected a, a huge asset in explaining rules. Okay. And that is when games are really well themed. Mm, that they, helps a ton. Yeah. Some games this doesn't apply. You know, Azul. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're laying tiles down in a palace. Um, and they're different colors. And you're trying to get picked by the king. Right, right. The theme is is rather pasted on. Yeah, well, I, and it, it just, it doesn't help. Okay, so why do I do this? Because you're trying to get picked by the king. Right, but why am I, you know, why do all the rest get thrown out? Uh... Now, if you're a very creative individual, you might be able to stretch things a bit and, you know, kind of create theme where there isn't any, um, you know, for the purposes <laughs> right. of making the rule make sense. Right. Well, that that bottom row on the original Azul is where you've got your sloppiest workers. You sure. know, for every five tiles you lay down, <laughs> one of them will make it without getting broken. <laughs> right. Right. You know, nothing in the rule book says anything about that, but why not? Why not extend it and make it your own <laughs> for the purposes of like having, oh, you're in, in a sense creating a little bit of a story for them to, to latch onto, to hang those rules on. Oh, exactly. 
Um, but for games that do have a lot of theme. Um, right, use it. Well, and the theme so often explains the rules. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, well, we, we talked about Dune earlier. And the creators of Dune wouldn't change the rules even though tournament play for years and years and years had changed this specific rule, the creators didn't change the rules because it didn't make sense with the theme to change that rule. Um, The rule was there because it supported the theme and was explained by the theme. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, I, I think about, we've been playing a lot of sleeping gods and those command tokens. No, you can't do things on other people's turn unless you have these command tokens that you can spend, you know, they represent the ability to kind of, or, or the, the self-confidence to kind of, here, let me help you with that. Right. Take charge. Um, yeah. or, or in, in detective, um, you collect influence. You know, at the end of the day, you can write a report and that, uh, no, not influence, authority. Right. Authority. You know, you, tokens, you become yeah. more and more an authority in your field. Well, that lets you do things like bend the rules. Right, right. You know, right. You, you can, no, oh, sorry, detectives. I, I can't let you into this back room. Oh, how about, you know, I'm going to flex a little bit, spend one of these authority tokens. Oh, you're, you're that guy. Oh, sure, come on in. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely theme can be such a helpful tool for not only teaching the rules, but for the learners to be able to to recall them and have them make sense. Yeah. And I guess the one caveat with that is knowing that sometimes theme doesn't make sense for the rules. And, That's and true. And knowing when to point that out, especially right. if you often lean on theme to explain rules. And here I'm thinking about like something like Everdell. Um, you know, Everdell's great. I would use the theme to explain rules in Everdell with the exception of Okay, so one person is in summer and the other person is still in spring and one person could be in fall at the same time. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> but you're all in the same forest of Everdell? Right, right. Well, I and what jumped into my mind was the game Koi, <laughs> which made very little sense to me how some of these tokens move, like the rules around the different tokens. They did not necessarily always jive with how those particular animals actually do things in the real world. Well, and what is it... What are the things that the koi are eating? There's, do they eat the dragonflies? I think so. Do they eat they, the frogs? That's what I, I'm trying to remember. I was like, were they eating frogs? Because... I feel like Koi don't do that. Well, I looked on, because I was curious, and I, I looked it up, and I saw one person on the whole of the internet that I searched. Um, <laughs> one time a Koi had eaten a frog? Well, he's talking about the, his Koi had gotten so big that you know they would eat the frogs. Okay, um, but it's not like the norm. Right, well, and I feel like those Koi aren't the ones jump, jumping over rocks. <laughs> you know, not not that I've ever seen a koi jump over a rock. Right, yeah. So <laughs> the theme was a little bit of a stretch in some parts of that game. Well, and, and kind of hurt the rules explanation a bit. That's true, right, because they were so focused on theme, 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 
and they just tried to make it work on some things and it ended up just being confusing. Right. Like some, some themes can be pasted on and it's, it's fun. You know, sure. it adds color, adds artwork to uh, an abstract yeah. game. Yeah. But sometimes, um, what's another game that we were playing recently? Uh, Okanagan. Sure. So, holds a soft part in, in our heart, living in the beautiful Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, and the game itself was actually a lot of fun. Right. But we're going through and the theme, not only... You know, there's actually very little that matches in the theme with Okanagan Valley. Um, yeah, very, very Maybe little. the amount of lakes that pop up in I the game. I guess that's true. Um, that's pretty much it. But the theme didn't explain the rules at all. And actually some things that based on the theme I thought would be in the rules wasn't at all. And, and so it was a little bit more confusing. Yeah. So, you know, using the theme is great but also understanding when that's not a great use, uh, where it could be more confusing. For sure. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, let's just quickly go through and revisit some of the main points we've been talking about. Yeah. Well, I think kind of point number one was remember that people learn differently and do your best to modify your explanation of the rules so that it works for everyone. Right. And, and use a, a blend of yeah, those learning styles. Yeah. You know, don't don't explain the rules four ways in, you know, four times in the four different learning styles. Right. You can Pull integrate everything. a whole bunch mm-hmm. in. Um, because oftentimes people aren't just one learning style or the other. There's, you know, they're blends of this one and that one or they're half and half. Yeah. Um, I think the next thing that, was, that we talked about that's really important is to not get into the minutiae too quickly but to make sure you give a broad overview first, you know, give those key pieces of information, like here's what you're going for. Here's how you win. Exactly. And, and know maybe which details would tend to get lost and, mm-hmm. and repeat details kind of halfway through the game. Yeah. Uh, we talked about using the different aids. I mean, that falls into different learning styles a little bit, but I, I think it's just good practice. Right. Don't use the rule book to explain the rules. Use player aids. Use information written on the board. Use examples with the pieces you're going to be using. Right. Use the rule book as your assistant, but not as the teacher. Exactly. Um, we talked about practice rounds and early scoring rounds as being really good, just kind of clarifying moments. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about, because at the end of the day, we want this to be fun. You know, there is a fine line between teaching and alpha gaming. Right. And between trying to just, you know, help players and alpha gaming. Right. And so knowing where that line is between, you know, okay, now I can give you control and I'm not going to step in anymore. Yeah. You know, you feel free to come to me for help, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to push it on you. you yeah. You've got this. Yeah. When you you mentioned just now using player aids, I don't think you repeated again the importance of using the theme if it's there. Oh, it, right. Right. Which well, is we, so helpful. We just helpful. finished talking about, exactly. And that, in some ways, is so much better than anything we've been talking about because it creates a narrative. It creates context for yeah. all of this to fit into. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and just keeping in focus, you know, the two main things. We want it to be fun for the for the players. You don't need to get the rules right every time. Yeah. Um, and we want it to be accessible. And really, that could entail changing or modifying the rules slightly. <gasps> Gas poor. I am... Sorry, sorry. The, the official term is house rules. I don't know. I'm a pretty, pretty uh, tight rule book follower, so... <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you especially in the, the bigger, more complicated games, inadvertently, you find out that, oh, we haven't been following the rules, and it's given this one player a huge example, or a, a huge... Advantage, advantage. yeah. Um, I haven't finished my coffee. That's <laughs> my only excuse for for my my grammar today. Um, but you know, I'm I'm thinking about champions of Midgard. You know, on on our early playthroughs, we didn't realize that the little boxes on your player cards were where you put your dice, and you only had as many dice as those little boxes. And so one person had a huge army. Right. And so they never, ever lost any of their dice because they just rolled this big double handful of dice, got all the shields that they needed, <laughs> and you know just ran away with it. Right. Um, Dominated. So, you know, when you're teaching and, and those kinds of rules get missed, it's not the end of the world. You can, you can change it. You can say from, from now on, we're going to do this. Right, or, right. And honestly, like... When I've observed, like when someone's playing it for the first time and I've observed them break a rule, if it's not a major one, like I don't want to be hounding them every time they break a rule. So sometimes I'll let one slide and then I might give kind of a general to everyone. Hey, remember, blah, 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 um, you know, rather than cracking down every time I see a rule broken. So yes, sometimes I, I will let things go in terms of following the rule book. Oh yeah. One in all of this, I mean, I, I kind of hold it as a golden rule of gaming that your first game doesn't count. Right, and first I'm, place free. Yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, many, many, many people who will disagree with me. Um, but I just think it's so helpful to think of it that way because right. it, it removes the stress of playing. It makes it more likely to be fun. You know, as long as people are still trying to win, you're still trying to win. It's just... Right. There's no stakes as as much as there are stakes when you're playing board games. <laughs> Ever, yeah. Yeah, well, and I think it gives you the opportunity just to try things. Like, if I do this, what happens? So I think definitely, uh, you know, stress to people who are playing it for the first time. Like, hey... We're, we know this is new for you. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna play, you know, if you win, lose, it's not a big deal either way. Yeah. Um, do you want to wrap us up? You're, you're so much better at endings <laughs> Being than I the am. closer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you said it so well when you just brought us back to that main focus of what's our goal, keeping it fun, making it so that people can play the game until next time this has been been invite to game night <laughs> for our favorite things today we want to talk about our 
favorite games. And these aren't just favorite games. These are games that we heart you. <laughs> um, our favorite games that we just can't seem to win. We, I heart you, but can't pull away the W. <laughs> I saw online someone did an open letter to games that she loved but could never win. <laughs> a little love letter to those games. Uh, for me, I'll start it off. 100% this is Honey Buzz. I've won one of six, seven times we've played this game. One time. So, yes. Um, one time. Now. And it was only when we played it as a three-player game. Here's the thing with Honey Buzz. I would say... So, we, we started planning this episode quite a while ago. And... Uh, through circumstances, that's a nice word for our son waking up every 20 minutes over the past <laughs> two weeks. <sighs> um, yep. Through circumstances, we have not been able to make any headway on recording this podcast episode. So I would say Honey Buzz was your game. I think you have to pick a new one now because the last two times we've played Honey Buzz, not only have you won. I, you no, I have, only won one time. Ooh, it's been two what? Yes. Are you serious? It is no longer your heartbreak game. <gasps> wow. Man, I was clearly so traumatized. Okay. <laughs> no, you you have won the last year. You're on a 100% win streak here. <laughs> two for two. Okay, two for two. Okay, all right. Producer commentary. I was wrong. We looked it up afterwards and... Now, in fairness to me... The last two games, she might not have won both games, but she did beat my score in both of the last two games. So I guess that means... No, no. That still means I was wrong. Oh, I'm feeling better about that. Okay, so let me think of another one. Okay, uh, how about Sonora? Need... Oh. Ooh, which... I don't... have. To... Oh, you know what? I think I won the very first time we played it. The one that we don't count. I think that's the only time I've won that game. Sonora, beautiful colors, beautiful game. I love the game. game. It's so much fun. I love the whole flicking right thing. But my gosh, you flick way better than me, apparently, because, or your strategy's better. I don't know what it is, but you just trounce me in that game. Oh, it has nothing to do with skill. Fortune smiles upon me. <laughs> No, and anyone who has seen me play dice games knows that is oh, not true. Oh, dice hate you. Dice hate you. All right, what's your game? We mentioned mine before, uh, earlier today, Azul. I love the game. I love the abstract puzzle of it. But you win love... sometimes. If you change some to one time. No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure you've won more than that. Maybe one and a half. Okay. I might have tied once. Now... I've, I've done well on it. That's true. It's just every time I've done well, you've done better. It's true that it is kind of my game. <laughs> so for me, Azul, I heart you, Azul. But... Right, you will play it. Just like if I ask you to play Azul, you're always drop down. Drop of a hat. Yeah. I love Azul. But there's always a little bit of heartbreak at the end. Yeah, it's true. Sad day. It's okay. I just have to have my own personal pile of starbursts, and that makes me feel better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome.
Thank you for listening. Episode 3, Rulebook Pedago, what? Was recorded on April 11th and the 13th and the 15th and days in between where we tried and failed. And produced with a huge assist from Magic Auntie. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to continue the conversation with us on our Facebook page or on Instagram. You can follow us at Invite to Game Night. Join us next time as we look at how to win or lose every time.